beautiful Sunday morning. So we won't prolong the hour. Um, on Wednesday, we talked about uh, the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ. And I, I just want to continue in that same vein. Is that all right? All right. So um, on today, on today, on today, on today, I want to talk about one thing is uh, the sermon title for today is why he came is in his name. I'm going to say that again. Why he came is in his name in our scripture for today is going to be Isaiah chapter nine and verse number six. Isaiah chapter nine and verse number six. And I'll go ahead and I'll read it for you. It says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I'm going to say that again. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. So around this time, as we talk, uh, we usually celebrate Christmas, as many of us would uh, call it. We celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus coming into this world to be a sacrifice for our sins. He has to be our blameless lamb to come into this world. He was born in a manger, and we would then call him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, what's so interesting about that is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was born in a manger, a manger. This is not on a paper, but sometimes understand that when God is birthing something great out of you, sometimes it's in some of the most unusual places. So make sure that you don't get so uh, worked up when God is developing you in an unusual place. Sometimes those are the places where he brings the greatest things out of you. So in the book of Isaiah, um, it was a little different. Uh, they were in expectation of this child to come and to save them from their time of oppression. Now, us as believers in today's time, we stand in expectation of Christ coming his second time. Now, this child was set to be born of a virgin Mary and would be considered the only 100% man and only 100% God. And his original name is known as Yeshua HaMashiach, which we know him as Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, his name is Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to refresh your minds um, to what is happening during this time. At this time, there's a king. His name is King Ahaz. And he's ruling the people. And what he's doing is he's not taking counsel from the prophet. Usually during those times, the prophets will come to the leaders and say, hey, this is what the Lord is saying. So he was not taking counsel from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, they called this period the dark times because it seems like the people were about to get destroyed by the uh, Assyrians and the Syrians. So in the midst of that, in the midst of all of that, Isaiah, the prophet said, for to us, a child is born. In all of that, he says, for to us, a child is born. Now, it's surprising that Yahweh, our God, would raise up a child, a newborn, no less to deliver his people and to establish peace, justice, and righteousness. We would expect him to raise up a mighty warrior like King David rather than a child. But also, we must remember that David wasn't a mighty warrior when God chose him. He was only a shepherd boy, the youngest of Jesse's sons. Such an unlikely candidate that Jesse didn't even think to bring David in from the fields when Samuel came looking for the one who would be called king. So here's here's you have Jesse. He has these sons, these sons. They're very they're big. They're handsome. They fit the part of a king. And the prophet Samuel comes, says, hey, I've come to anoint the new king. 
And Jesse brings out his sons. And he was like, yeah, these are all my, it's, it got to be one of them. So Samuel goes to each one and says, not it, not it, not it, not it, not it. And he said, don't you have any more? Because surely these, these are not the people that the Lord sent me to come anoint. At first he was like, um, no. Oh, yeah, I have, I have my son David, but he's in the field tending to the sheep. And when he comes, the Bible says that he's handsome. But he does not fit the part. He does not fit the part of the king. And what is funny is that God will use the most unlikely person or situation to fulfill his purpose. Like many of us, we feel like we cannot be used by God to fulfill his purpose due to whatever thought or idea we feel God needs in order for his plan to be executed. But preacher man, I don't have a degree. He'll qualify you. Preacher man, I'm not married. He'll qualify you. Preacher man, I'm struggling in my flesh. He'll qualify you. Okay. So you don't believe me. Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah was a drunk. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow and here it is good old Peter who denied Christ three times I'm here to tell you that even though you may seem like you're flawed or you think you're flawed God can use anybody to fulfill his purpose your flaws do not determine the purpose that God can use so I need you to touch your neighbor and say neighbor he can use you because in Romans 8 and 28 it says that and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So it's not based on your limited mind. It's based on his purpose. It's not based on your insecurities. It's based on his purpose. Listen, it's not even based on your past, but it's based on his purpose. I need you to take about 10 seconds and give him praise that he's still using you in the midst of your past and your situations. So no matter what, You've been through in life. Remember that the same power that conquered the grave lives within you. Because greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. So later when Goliath, now we're still talking about King David. Later when Goliath threatened the Israelites, David was the unlikely boy who went against the giant armed with only a slingshot and a stone. Isn't it funny that sometimes when you're facing some of the greatest battles, you have just a weapon that doesn't even seem like, you know, your money's funny, but all you have is your word. Come on, you catching hell, but all you have is a word. People are trying to tell you what to do logically, and you're trying to tell them, but I got something that's even stronger than that. I got the word. So when there was Gideon with his little army, so why wouldn't God use a baby to deliver his people? It's Yahweh's unusual practice to use it as his instrument for someone who has nothing to offer Yahweh except a blessing. A child then would be an obvious choice. A newborn, an infant is even more obvious choice. So a child is given to us. But then Isaiah says this, to us a son is given. Okay, wait, wait. First you said a child is born unto us. Then you went, you go even further and you said a son. So the question is, why did a son have to be given to us? What is so significant about that, he says a child to be born, but then says a son. I'm glad you asked. 
So this child would be a man, but more than a man, he is also the eternal son of God. The second person of the Godhead, and theoretically, the Messiah didn't have to be God. He might have been a sinless angel or merely a perfect man like Adam. But in reality, neither of those options would have qualified the Messiah to be our savior and high priest as Jesus was. Y'all still with me? So the son had to be given. If Jesus were not fully man, he could not stand in the place of a sinful man and be a substitute for the punishment man deserves. I'm going to say that again. If Jesus were not fully man, he could not stand in the place of a sinful man and be a substitute of the punishment man deserves. If he were not fully God, his sacrifice would be insufficient. So if Jesus is not fully God and fully man, ladies and gentlemen, we are all lost in sin. We are all lost in sin. Let me give you an example, right? So who in here plays spades? Raise your hand. Okay, whoever don't play, we ain't going to shot y'all right there. So spades, you know how spades work, right? Spades is the highest card in whatever book. As long as you got a spade, you know, there's a joy you get when you get your hand full of spades. There's an excitement that you get because you're like, I'm about to win. So I look at it this way. So if you, if you paint this picture, so an angel would be the two of hearts, right? The angel would be a two of hearts, and a perfect man would be that the little joker, right? For those who play joker, joker, deuce, deuce. There's y'all that play ace high. But there's something about when you get that guaranteed joker in your hand that you already know that it's already in the books. So it's, it, it could have been a, an angel, but it wasn't good enough. It could have been a perfect man, but it's not good enough. But there's something about that guarantee that knows no matter what that's on the table. I got something that's guaranteed that's getting ready to win this book for me. And I'm here to announce that you got a Jesus that no matter what situation you go through in faith, you got a Jesus that's undefeated, that he can win every single book that's on the table. I'm talking about whatever situation, whatever circumstance you got, he's already got it in his book. Whatever issues you got, he's already won it. And I need you to give God praise just for five seconds because you serve a God that guarantees your victory. So, so a son had to be given. So a son had to be given. A son. A son. But then Isaiah, Isaiah says this, right? He goes further. And Isaiah says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, ultimately, uh, this will be fulfilled, you know, with the second coming in the millennium. And when Jesus returns to rule as the king of kings and lord is lords. But... But when Jesus is in charge, you know, when it comes to our government official, things looks different. So if I paint this picture for you, like we sir, we live in a government, we live in a democracy. I got to be careful what I say here because this is recorded. Um, we live in a, you know, in a, a, a system where we have politicians and people, you know, in charge. But there's something different that when Jesus is in charge, it looks it looks completely different. When politicians are in charge, they look what they can get from you. But when Jesus is in charge, he looks what he can do for you. Leaders of today surround themselves with servants, but Jesus surrounds us with his servanthood. Leaders of this day trade their influence for money, but God so loved the world that he gave. The higher the plane of importance one reaches in this world, the more inaccessible he becomes. But Jesus says, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. 
Leaders of this day are desperate to be seen and heard, but Jesus saw anonymity so that he could be useful. Saints, I got a question for you. Who are you governed by? Who are you governed by? Because when you're governed by God, you look for ways to please him in your everyday walk. When you're governed by God, as Christians, you gently care for those in need. I said gently care for those in need. When you're governed by God, I can see a people who look to build up the kingdom by supporting the house of God. Got quiet right there. When you're governed by God, I can see a people who actively use their gifts and talents for the kingdom. When you're governed by God, I can see a people who don't fall so easily into their flesh and say, I can't help myself. When you're governed by God, you're eager to learn of his word and make worship a continual practice. I said a continual practice. And when you are governed by God, you see a believer exhibiting those things. So when you begin to exhibit those things and you begin to show those qualities, ladies and gentlemen, I know who your governor is. It is easy to tell who governs your life, right? So when we, when we, Isaiah talks about and, a, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and then what he started to do is Isaiah transitions. He transitions and he says, he lists off some names. And what I want to do is I want to give you some points of why he came is in his name. So point number one, point number one is he came because we needed counseling. He came because we needed counseling. Now, Isaiah says that he is a wonderful counselor. He is a wonderful counselor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he's a wonderful counselor. Now, this name emphasizes primarily that he will be most effective in planning, formulating a plan of action. What does that mean? That what Jesus did for you and I could not be attempted or devised by anyone else. He couldn't be called just counselor, but it had to be wonderful counselor. Why? Because Jesus is wonderful. Everything about him is wonderful. His birth is wonderful. His life is wonderful. His works are wonderful. I wish I had somebody who can agree with me. His words are wonderful. His death is wonderful. His resurrection is wonderful. His ascension is wonderful. His intercession for us is wonderful. And his coming again will be wonderful. Everything about Jesus is wonderful. The Bible says that he sits on the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. That's wonderful. Because if we, if we really look into it, we don't deserve it. But he intercedes for us. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful feeling to have that you know that you have Jesus interceding to the Father on your behalf. But why do we need Jesus as our counselor? And as we learned on Wednesday, because it was a counselor that ruined the world. Did not Satan mask himself in as a serpent and counsel the, word, the woman with exceeding craftiness? That she would take unto herself the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the hope that thereby she would be as God. Since it was by a counselor to destroy it, we needed an even bigger counselor to restore it. Christ's position as a wonderful counselor means that we can trust him to listen to our problems and guide us in the right direction. We can be sure that he is listening because he told us to pray to him about our worries. 
we can be certain that he is our best interest. He has our best interest at heart because he loves us. And his love is so wide and so deep and wonderful that we cannot even fully understand it. For Romans 5 and 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that meanwhile we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I need somebody to have some joy in their heart to know that while you were yet a sinner, he still died for you. So understand that Jesus came because we needed counseling. And we got to get out of the mode to where we're listening to people and allowing other people to counsel us that have no relationship with Jesus. Got to be very careful because he says, cast your cares on me, which means that when you have issues, when you have circumstances, who should you go to? Jesus. Who should you go to? When you got issues and circumstances, who should you go to? Why? Because Jesus has the answer for everything that you'll ever face. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. The Bible says he knows the end before the beginning. So everything that you can go through and face, he already has the answer. So listen, so all you got to do is go to him, get on your knees, and ring up heaven, and go ahead and he'll give you your answer. So he came because we needed counseling. He came because we needed counseling. Point number two is he came because we needed someone bigger than ourselves. We needed someone bigger than ourselves. Isaiah says that he is a mighty God. Everybody say mighty, mighty. God. He is a mighty God. The word mighty has many synonyms. Strong, robust, vigorous, bold, capable. And when I looked a little deeper, I found out that when it came to Jesus being a mighty God, it talks about he is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. I'm going to say that again, which means all-powerful. This is another time when I'm going to tell you to look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he's all-powerful. There are times in a believer's life where we feel like our issues are more powerful than we are. And the reality is... We can't handle it. We can't. That's why we needed someone bigger than us. God had to send someone mighty to help you overcome. And one of the attributes of God is that he is omnipotent, which means all-powerful, which means there is nothing that can trump God's power. His power is limitless. His power is untamable. His power is un invincible. His power is unconquerable. His power is supreme. What does that mean? That means there is nothing too hard for God. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to deliver. He is mighty to redeem. He is mighty to heal. He is mighty to help you overcome. And I need you to take just five seconds of praise just because you know you serve a mighty God. Serve a mighty God. You serve a mighty God. You serve a mighty God. But I've been dealing with this for 20 years. You serve a mighty God. But this happened in my childhood. You serve a mighty God. But I don't see where you serve a mighty God. But I'm, you serve a mighty God. Because when you get into your mind that you serve a mighty God, those big problems start to look a little bit smaller. Those issues and circumstances start to look a little minute when you realize that you serve a mighty God. High five your neighbor and tell him you serve a mighty God. So he came because we needed someone bigger than ourselves, bigger than ourselves. But also then Isaiah on point three, he says we came because we needed to see the father in action. We needed to see the father in action. So Isaiah says he is the 
everlasting father. Everybody say everlasting, everlasting. father. So now he's, he's referencing this son. Now Isaiah isn't teaching us that God the son, the second person of the Trinity is the same as God the father. It's unlikely Isaiah had the Trinity in mind at all when he says Messiah will be called everlasting father. It's not the Messiah's role within the Godhead, but the Messiah's character towards us that Isaiah has in mind. Concerning the language of everlasting father, Sam Storm calls it a descriptive analogy pointing to Christ's character. He is fatherly, fatherlike in his treatment for us. The writer by the name of Herman Babnick says, observe that Jesus takes away our guilt and again opens the way to God's fatherly heart. Everything you've ever dreamed a father could be, he is that. Everything you've wanted from your relationship with your earthly father, Jesus is and will be for you. Your Messiah will forever be perfectly fatherlike in the way he shepherds and leads you. And Jesus is the perfect father forever. I said Jesus is the perfect father forever, which is why Isaiah says he is the ever lasting father and when it comes to that Romans 8 right Romans 8 31 through 39 says this and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. And that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, which means his love is everlasting. That is why he's the everlasting father. His love lasts. You may get disappointed by a relationship, but he says, I'm your everlasting father. You may get disappointed by certain career choices that may have failed you, but he says, I am everlasting. I never get tired. I will last until the end of time. Listen, I'm not even limited by time. I will last forever. He is the everlasting father. So point number one, right? We're going to go back. He came because we needed counseling. Point number one, he came because we needed counseling. Point number two, he came because we needed someone bigger than ourselves. Point three, he came because we needed to see the father in action, right? And point number four, don't worry, I'm going to get an iPad soon so I can like just go like this instead of papers. Y'all pray for me, Lord's blessing in this season. Um, he came because we needed, to f we needed our relationship with God fixed. I'm going to let that sink in. He came because we needed our relationship with God fixed. Isaiah says that he is the prince of peace. He says he is the prince of peace. Romans 5 and 10 says, since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Did you know that without Christ, you are an enemy to God? I'm going to say that again. Without Christ, you are an enemy to God. But Christ came, so now that you can be called a friend. For all those blood-washed, redeemed believers, I need you to lift your hands and say, I thank you that I am a friend of God. 
Come on, I need you to say that with power. I am thankful that I am a friend of God, that God no longer sees me as his enemy, but now I am adopted into the family. He says that he is the prince of peace, right? He is the prince of peace. This is the first benefit because the price is paid in full by the work that Jesus did on the cross. God's justice towards us is eternally satisfied. I need eternally satisfied. Three months from now when you mess up, eternally satisfied. In 2021, if you eternally satisfied. Sin kept us at war with God, but his blood. Come on, I wish I had a church that still got excited about the blood of Jesus. Sin kept us at war with God, but his blood gave us peace. I said his blood gave us peace. His blood gave us peace. Our shortcomings made us an enemy, but Christ made us his friend. Our flesh made him not even want to look at us, but Christ's sacrifice made God wrap us in his loving arms. Now I don't have to prove that I am worthy of God's love. His grace already proves it. There once was a blockage that was stopping me from getting to God, but because of the sacrifice, because of the price that was paid, the veil is now ripped from top to bottom, and now I have direct access to a God. And I need to know, are you, aren't you glad that you serve a God that you have direct access to? And that now that you can come boldly to the throne of grace. And the best way that I can describe it is that Jesus paid it in full. I'm talking about he paid it in full. Christ came because there was a price that needed to be paid in full. For some of y'all who got student loans. I know I, I know I, I know I touched the nerve right there. It's almost like you getting a statement in the mail. And this says paid in full. For some of you homeowners, it's like you getting a statement in the mail. And all of a sudden it says paid in full. Because there's a certain amount of debt that us, unfortunately, we're not at the place that we can do it yet. But Jesus says, I write blank checks. I write blank checks. There is no limit to what I can do. There is no limit to what price I can pay for you. Whatever the price is, I paid it in full. And I need you to give God some praise right there because you serve a God that paid it in full. There is no left balance. There is no payment plan. The price is now paid in full. So now you can walk boldly. You can walk with a smile on your face to know that the price of your life has now been paid in full. Come on, I need you to lift up your voice and give him a shout of praise because your debt is paid in full. It's paid in full. It's paid in full. It's paid in full. Your issues, it's paid in full. Your struggles, it's paid in full. Come on. Those things that were spoken over your life, it's already paid in full. You already got the victory. It's paid in full. So you don't have to walk around with your head down. You can walk with your head held high that you serve a God that paid it in full. Amen. You can walk with authority to know that it's paid in full. So when you go to your home today, I need you to walk around your house and say, it's all paid in full. When you get to your job, I need you to walk around your job and say, it's paid in full. 
Come on, I need you to touch your children and touch your children and say, hey, it's paid in full. You will be a great man or woman of God because the price has already been paid. It's paid in full. It's paid in full. It's paid in full. I, I feel a praise right there. It's paid in full. Because some of y'all need to have a flashback of some of the things that you that happened in your life. And Christ says, I paid it all in full. Hallelujah. He paid it in full. 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 I'm not lost. I'm having flashbacks. He paid it in full. He paid, he paid it in full. When I should have an STD, he covered me. His grace was paid in full for me. He paid it in full. Come on, can we just lift our hands just for a few moments and just worship him right in this moment? Can we just worship him? Can we just worship him? Can we just worship him right here? Just open up your mouths and just begin to tell him how much you're thankful, how much you're grateful that he paid it in full. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Lord, I thank you. You paid it in full. You didn't leave a balance that I had to pay, but you paid it all in full. Lord, I thank you. 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 Because when you realize when he was on that cross that he had the opportunity to call 10,000 angels to come get him on the, off that cross. But he said, I'm going to stay on that cross because there's a price that I need to pay in full. And I need you to understand that he had you in mind when he paid that price. He had you in mind when he paid that price. No matter what circumstance, he had you in mind. Your struggle, he had you in mind. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give God some praise. Give God some praise. I said give God some praise. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Come on, if you are blessed by the word, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Can anybody just give God glory for the blood being applied to your life? Hallelujah, that Jesus died once and for all. Hallelujah. And we bless him for him paying the price. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. How many know it reaches to the highest mountain? Hallelujah. And it flows to the lowest valley. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say the blood. Hallelujah. The blood. That gives me strength. Yeah. Hallelujah. From day. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Come on, say it reaches. Come on, everybody, it reaches. It reaches. Say and it flows, and it flows to the Lord.
power. Come on, one more time. Say it reaches. Come on, it reaches. It reaches to the highest mountain. Somebody say it flows. And it flows to the lowest. Everybody standing, everybody standing, everybody standing. Hallelujah. Everybody standing. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you are unsure of your salvation, if you've never confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, you need the blood to be applied to your life. Hallelujah. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. You serve a God that can apply the blood to your account and it'll be paid in full. Hallelujah. Anybody know it will be paid in full? He said all you ought to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. So my brother, my sister, wherever you are, if you are unsure of your salvation or if you've never confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is your opportunity to come give your heart to the Lord. Wherever you are, you can step out of that road and make your way down to this altar. Secondly, if you need a church home, there's no greater place than right here at Freedom, a place you can grow and mature in God, a place where you can get the word for your life. Some of you know you need to be planted in the house of God. So if I'm talking to you, if you will need to give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ or you need to join this church step out of your aisle come down to this altar I want to pray with you come on wherever you are you can come now don't leave here the same way that you came hallelujah glory to your name hallelujah come on if I'm talking to anybody make your way to this altar glory to your name God come on let's do it one more time hallelujah come on say it reaches come on it reaches Hallelujah. And it flows, it flows to the lowest. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. get ready to give at this time as we get ready to give at this time hallelujah I know it's Christmas time I know it's time that we uh, some of us go broke trying to give gifts to people that ain't gonna appreciate them anyway hallelujah touch your neighbor and say not this season not this season praise God <laughs> hallelujah walk in the house with my gift I'm your gift see me hallelujah I'm your gift. Hallelujah. But listen, on last Sunday, last Sunday, I want to bring this back to your attention. On last Sunday, 
we ask you, we ask you that we're trying to make sure that we get cameras in the church. We want to get cameras so that we can go back online. We want to do it right. We want to do it right. And um, we are trying to make sure that we sow, uh, what did I ask for, $40 above tithes and offerings by Christmas. $40 above tithes and offerings by Christmas. And so I need you to give that on today. If you haven't given it already, I need you to give it on today. We want to make sure that we support this effort. Amen. Some of you have crazy work schedules and sometimes you can't be in church. Sometimes some of y'all can be in church. you just at home. Amen. Praise God. I rebuke that spirit that's going to make you sit at home and watch us online in Jesus' name. I'm rebuking it now. Amen. I pray something in your bed, stick you in your back. Amen. <laughs> you see why you, 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 your mind need to be purged? You see how I came up with that? I just thank God it's paid in full. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was a joke, y'all. That was a joke. But listen. We want to make sure we support that. But not only are we supporting that, we want to make sure that we take care of the house. Amen. By giving the tithe, by giving the offering, we want to be obedient to God's word. For we know the tithe is what belongs to the Lord. The sacrifice is what we're asking for above the tithes and offerings. So don't push past the tithe. Amen. Give the tithe first and then give the sacrifice. Amen. And we want to bless this house.